0: This is Gerald Glassman from Lakers Fast Break and you're listening to Raphael
1: Barlow and the NBA Draft Junkies. What up, what up? It's Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies and today I have a a special guest. Um, This is someone who I've known for probably about 10 years now. I've seen the, the progression. I've seen him start off working with Little five-year-old kids that couldn't dribble a basketball to now um he's known all across the world for for his skills training. So my my guest today is is Tyler Ralph. Thanks a lot for for coming on the show. Always, dog. Always. Man, if you think about it, we met like what 2010-ish, maybe something like that. Yeah, right when I moved here, probably like the
0: first like month and a half, so 2000 like. I think it was two thousand ten, August or something, September or something like that. Yeah, Yeah,
1: because I was working with the the Texas Legends at the time, and I and I um, started coaching a basketball team of just some random parents who were like season ticket holders. And I remember seeing you down on the other end of the court working with your guys. And now I didn't see you in China, but it's crazy because we were in like another country, like five thousand miles away, at the same time, which is. It's just nuts. crazy how how far this takes you. No so doubt. obviously my um, you know my my website is about the NBA draft. It's something that I enjoy doing, and I've always been yeah. interested in hearing like the behind the scenes stuff of what goes into the NBA draft. Whether it's just from how the agents recruit the players to the onboarding with the agents and the kids signing, and then well, you come in at the training. So mm-hmm. who was the first player that you were responsible for their pre-draft training? Uh, I mean, I would say Julius um,
0: as far as pre-draft. Uh, I did a little bit with Marcus Smart, but they were that same draft class. Um, you know, so I think they, they went six and seven, I think, respectively, Boston, L.A. Back in 2014, but I'd say Julius probably would be my first one that I was responsible for. And and the weird thing with that one was, is he had a foot injury.
1: And yeah, it was like the. uh, I guess it came testing, right?
0: Right. So he had an agent, and you know there was another guy involved. I won't name his name, but they were trying to kind of hide it, Mm -hmm. and as far as the training went, you know, me and Julius had been together for two or two years, probably at that point, um, three years, maybe even longer, maybe three or four years. And, you know, and I could tell he wasn't right physically um, or mentally for that matter at that point. And, and Adrian Wojnowski, I'll never forget, who I, I played at St. Bonaventure and Adrian's an alumni. And he called and he's like, hey, man, I got a rumor of something's wrong with Julius's foot. And I'm like, you know, and I hadn't heard anything. You know, I just realized, I was just like, he just doesn't seem right. And so I was like, well, I don't know, Adrian, I don't know what's going on, whatever. And then, and then that kind of came out, um, you know, but he was probably the first one, but that process for him was so... Messed up because, you know, of his foot and he was trying to push through all these draft workouts and he wasn't in great shape, you know, because he was trying to to battle this injury um, and all that um, and kind of do multiple things at once, you know, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of like a, it was kind of a weird story, you know, but you kind of get that, you know, with a lot of kids and then, you know, um, you know, we've had Seku we've had a bunch of other guys. Um, you know, that we've we've worked out um in the past too. Um, you know, but the that he was probably the first one, I'd say, for sure.
1: So for those that, that don't know, you've been with Julius for a while since he was in high school. How did that relationship start? Um,
0: well, I just moved out here. Um, and I think I was training at Swisher Courts. <laughs>
1: Oh, way out Denton. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I had just moved, and then Derek Shelby hit me up, and he's like, hey, man, there's this really good 14-year-old kid um, named Julius Randall. You know, he's uh, going to be a ninth grader, or he was a ninth grader at the time. Um, you know, and I – you know, of course, I'm a basketball head, so I'm like, well, I've heard of him. Um, you know, and he was like – you know, he wants to start. He wants to do a workout. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we do a workout, and I mean, you've been around me enough where you know I don't baby kids. I don't. Doesn't really matter who you are. Um, some kids like it, some don't. Um, I can really care less. But he kind of liked it, I think, because he had been babied a lot from a basketball standpoint, mm-hmm. and you know, because he was really good, and I kind of just you know, came in. I pushed him to, like, his limit at that time, and, um man, we've been, you know, obviously, our relationship has grown a ton. Um, I mean, you were there yesterday, and, I mean, it's in a different place than it's ever been. We kind of have a great feel for each other, Um have a great feel for what we want to work on, Um, you know, and then, and then, obviously, the off the court, you know, I was in his wedding, and, you know, our kids hang out and, you know, I mean, my son goes over to his house every day and um, you know, it's a special thing, man. It's a special thing and and, and I'm blessed to know him more as a, as a person than, than the basketball player for sure.
1: That's the cool thing about your job is that you have like personal relationships with the guys that you work with. It's not one of those things where you're here for an hour, we work, we do whatever and then after that it's That's it. So how do you develop those personal relationships? Because I've noticed throughout the years, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen it too. There are guys that, you know, they they have a trainer that they work with this guy through high school. He's helped them get to a certain point. And then once they make it to the NBA, that trainer's out the picture. They've moved on to someone else. And so with, with you, like, I mean, Julius has been coming back to you, and I mean, it has to have been ten years now. I mean, he's yeah. this summer. Yep. So, what separates you from a lot of different trainers, as far as like the relationship building?
0: You know, I think there's a couple things on that. I, I think one, like, you know, I care about my guys. Um, I want to know what they, you know, what makes them tick. Um, you know, I know they they have a goal. Most of them you know, when we're talking about the elite guys to play in the NBA, but I try to get to know them more on a personal level also, um, you know, and more at a human level and, and you know, try to be there uh, when I'm needed and, you know, certain things, Julius to me are just, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be as close with a player as I am with Julius. Um, you know, I mean, he's probably one of my best friends, which is weird. Um, you know, but he allows me to push him Mm -hmm. on the court. We're able to separate that, um, you know, which is really cool. And, you know, and, and, and with Julius (laughs) and you know how it is, there's a lot of guys always involved with these really good players. Right. And if you get too close to them as a trainer, the guys in football will try to push you out. Right. I've, I've been through that myself. <laughs> you know, but at the time when Julius and me were kind of coming up, like there was some stuff that had happened um, with him where, you know, I was pretty much all he had. And, um, you know, and he was all I had. I mean, he, he put me on the map, um, you know, in Dallas. And uh, once I got to realize what, what type of kid he was and what he stood for, um, you know, his mom, you know, it's easy. And and so I think I just try to, you know, I have two god kids that, you know, play basketball at Frisco Liberty, you know, train Trenton, um, you know, I'm their godfather, you know, so I just try to, I try to be there for the kids when they need me, man, um, as much as I can, you know, obviously, I have, you know, my own um, family, but you know, I try to be there as 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 a mentor for, for these players as much as possible.
1: Which is good. Like I said, I've seen a lot of guys, they really don't have a relationship outside of just being the trainer. And, I mean, I've, I've been in the gym with you plenty of times. You're laughing, you're joking. And the rapport mm-hmm. that, you, that you have with your players, whether it's, you know, a 15-year-old or a 10-year vet, they always seem to come back, which is something that a lot of people – don't have, because as you know, in this industry, retaining a player, trainer in any capacity is one of the most difficult jobs, because there's always somebody that's trying to pull them in a different direction.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny, man, it's, it's it, it always happens, um, and sometimes like when we're talking about pre-draft, that's kind of when it happens, right? right? You know, they get an agent and the agent has a certain guy who he wants his kid to work out with. And the agent, when these guys are going into the draft, pays for that training. Right. Um, You know, where now, like a Julius pays for his own training. But going into the draft, the agent pays. So the agent is going to try to place them, you know, where they want them to be. Um, And I just don't always think that's fair, you know, and in a perfect example is, you know, Tim Warren, the, the job he's done with Tyrese Maxey
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know which is phenomenal and and now Tyrese you know and goes to LA based on his agency right uh you know and and, and um you know and, and who knows and it's it's not about credit but Tim deserves a lot of credit as far as Tyrese Maxey goes. And we just, you know, you don't know how much he's going to get of it. And, um, you know, I mean, it happens all the time, man. It just, it is what it is. And, and, uh, and, and that's kind of where it push comes a shove. And, and usually like the guys will come back. So I, like, I would, you know, I bet Tyrese works out with Tim, you know, within the next month. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird business.
1: <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely weird. Off the top of your head, do you know how many NBA players that you've trained over the years? Man, off the top,
0: not off the top, but I'd say like been in the gym, worked with them at least, you know, a couple of times. It's, it's, it's probably over 30 ish, I'd say. Um, you know, obviously some more than others and, you know, other guys. You know, you've been in in the gym with maybe with somebody else, or uh, you know, all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I got a pretty good feel of of what an NBA player looks like, um, what they need to do, kind of um, how they need to prepare and all that other stuff. And you know, I've had guys like a CJ Miles, who is a role guy at this point in his career, where it's like guys like you know. Like Julius is who's still I think kind of getting better each year, and and now we're trying to to work on you know corner threes and slot threes and and open the floor up for him and and that stuff.
1: Is there a pressure of knowing that you're responsible for preparing this kid for a multi-million dollar job interview? Yeah, I, th- I
0: think that's the competitive side, you know. Like, um, I'm a competitor, so I I that that's kind of I, I indulge in that. Part of it, um, so yeah. I mean, there definitely is. Um, you know, like, like the kids say, a Last year, I think you were at that pre-draft workout. We did right. I,
1: I filmed the pro day. I was the only. Well, ESPN got there late, but I had most of the footage. I'm up to like 180,000 views or so on my YouTube channel. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, was, that was that was a big day for me. That was my first time actually attending a pro day and seeing. All that goes on behind the scenes. And then I was there the week leading up to the pro day.
0: Right. You know, so, so with that, it was very – you structure your pro day, um, you know, to what these teams want to see. Um, you know, and, and with Seiku, it was – man, he's – I think we had – you know, he's worked with me since he was 16. So we had a good feel too. Um, but it was like, you know usually you're gonna try to hide things right and what I didn't wanna do was try to hide, mm-hmm. so I was like, you know what let's work on your weaknesses and what they say your weaknesses are, and let's not hide anything um and I think he did a great job of showing that and, and but going back to to what you said, yeah, I think it's you have pressure, but you know you do your job, you try to do it the best possible way. And then, you know, God's going to take care of the rest, bro. And I, I mean, I, you know, I try to hold myself to the highest standards, you know, both as a skills trainer, but you know, as, as a human, as far as, you know, all this goes, I try not to put up with any bullshit. Um, you know, stuff gets too crazy as far as people around a kid. I, I, you know, I don't, I try to push myself out. I don't want to be around that stuff. And, um, you know, I try to work as hard as I can and, you know, let God take care of the rest, man.
1: Yeah, I man, I've definitely seen your work ethic. I know a lot of times when I see them like, man, what time are you done today? Because I know you work some long hours and you are you are what I, I would label a skills trainer. Like I've been in a gym with quite a few NBA players. I'm a guy that can put somebody through a, a workout. And I think there's a huge difference between what I do and what you do. I can put a guy through a workout and make sure they get their shots up. You're more so uh, you're active. I mean, you're playing defense. You're, I mean, you're putting your all into it. So Mm -hmm. your work ethic is, is, is off the charts. Even like for me, it's actually kind of inspiring because I've seen like the progression from where you started to where you're at now. My next question is as far as like, a pro day how do you balance out between showing what a kid is good at and hiding their weaknesses because i think in the mind of an nba gm and i want to see what the kid has worked on like if if i feel like he needs to improve his shooting i want to see him do shooting drills but i know as a trainer and with the pressure of the agency you don't necessarily want the kid to do that unless you're 100% confident that he's going to put on a good shooting show. So for you, how yeah. do you balance that out? Well,
0: I think that's where it comes into having great communication. Like, you know, with let's just take Seku because you were there. Um, Buna is, in my opinion, one of the best agents. Not Not because he gets his players not all that doesn't matter he's one of the best humans I've ever been around um well with Seiko it was a lot to do with you know his shooting people kind of questioned it um you know and then questioned his motor and so the biggest thing with me was let's work on shooting let's work on you know your stroke let's work on catching shoots um you know and then let's work on you know showing that you can go hard and um I had an understanding, you know, with, with his agent that I'm not going to hide him. And we're going to go and we're going to, you know, he's prepared. And I, I thought going into that, I was extremely confident that Sekou was perfect, uh, prepared. And I think Sekou went in extremely confident. Um, you know, and then you were there. I mean, he had a stretch where he made like, I don't know, like 18 three. Yeah. yeah, in in the middle and with he's the only person shooting in gym, and that's supposed to be his weakness. So I, I I just, you know, going back to what you said, if you're a GM, if I'm a GM, and a kid is not a good shooter and he goes through the pro day and they don't take any threes, it's like, well, I I, I don't I don't know. Like he's gonna stay right at where he is, or he's gonna drop. Right. He's not gonna move up in my book. So. Um, a lot of film goes into it and then trying to work on those weaknesses and make them strengths for these guys
1: So you basically talked about my next question And um, so for example when the agent reaches out to you about preparing a player for the draft How do you prepare and how much film do you watch and then how do you formulate your workouts? Um
0: always depends who the kid is Um, You know, so usually i'll try to find three or four guys in the NBA that they sort of uh, resemble. Um, and what I do is I'll watch film on that player, right? And then I'll watch film on other guys in the league that I think they they can, they're never going to be that guy. Right. But if, they're you know, they can be different guys and, and be, you know, if you take four guys or 25% of each guy, then that's who they kind of become based on, you know, whether it's skill level, um, size, athleticism, um, you know, what, what they do well, um, you know, stuff like that. So, so I try to study film not only on the guy, but I, I try to pick, you know, three to four players in the league who I think that they have characteristics of, watch a lot of film of how NBA teams use them, um, positions they may be in and then try to try to structure it um, that way. Uh, yeah, I, I just think shooting is such a big part of everything right now. I think in pre-draft, I do more shooting um, than anything. And then, like, with Julius, I mean, we, we probably put up, you know, like today, for example, um, you know, he made 200 corner threes. Um, you know, so we're trying to pick out certain things that, that I feel like can make these guys better. And and I think a corner three would, would would help Julius. So we've been doing a lot of that and, and, uh, but yeah, picking guys out and trying to figure out who they are, who they can be like. And then, uh, you know, and then, as you know, if they work, they got a chance. If they don't, they,
1: they, they just, you know, they don't. Have you ever had any difficulties with a player understanding your comparison. So I'll give you an example. There's a kid a few years ago, I told him, I said, man, you need to watch P.J. Tucker tape." But he was offended because, mm-hmm. you know, P.J. Tucker wasn't an all-star. You know, nowadays, like even with my sight, I kind of stay away from comparisons because if you don't compare a kid to an all-star or Hall of Famer, they're offended. So with this kid, I said, P.J. Tucker. I mean, similar physical characteristics, but... PJ is going to stick for a while because he knocks down the corner three. He's not playing in the post like he did at Texas. So I was wondering, like, have you ever had a player that that disagrees with a comparison? It, man, that's tough.
0: I, I haven't really had anybody disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to go to who I think is going to be their ceiling um, and try to make them that first, you know, and then – you know, and then try to throw in that other stuff.
1: Right. Okay, here's and, one for you. So remember when Julius came out, the player that I used to always see him compared to was Zach Randolph, right? And he's not. And he's nothing he's like not, him. He's not Zach. So which players did you look at and say, this is who I would like you to learn from? Because I don't think there's anybody that plays like Julius. Like, there's nobody. I mean, LeBron is a bad comparison, but as far as, like, somebody that can – Play the bully ball, but also can handle the ball in space. There's not too many guys like that. Well, Julius, yes. You didn't put him in the box of Zach Randolph.
0: <laughs> no. I, I, and, I mean, don't get it me wrong. Zach Randolph is
1: one of my favorite I mean, players ever. But the touch he's, is totally different. Yeah, he's different. They're just
0: totally different players. Julius is more explosive off the bounce. He's quicker. He's poppier. And, you know, Julius, obviously, he's 25, so he still has years. But Zach was more polished. Um, throughout his career so far um, being consistent from the mid post and like if that came here right now I don't think he would have good of a career um, just because they're not going to get mid post touches all the time yep. and, and all that you know so my comparison was was actually was LeBron as far as you know we worked on a cross jab which has become one of J- Julius's favorite moves um you know because i felt like if he could shift his defender with his handle a little bit um get his frame into people he'd have a easier job finishing and all that and then the other guy you know i've watched a lot of it is lamar odom i like the comparison with l o just because of the playmaking um mm-hmm. capabilities um you know so that was another guy and then and then with julius and you kind of saw yesterday afkanda I've kind of let him be himself too, you know. I, I think he's a very dynamic player in who he is, and and the biggest thing with with us right now is consistency from the mid post, um, and then shooting, and 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 you know, once I think that you know he can make pick and pops and corner threes, I I I think he's gonna be you know, one of the better power forwards in the league. And, I mean, you know, I I would still put him probably top 10 power forwards in the league right now, as is, at 20 and 10 a game.
1: 20 and 10 is, is tough. And I think that with Julius, he's added on to his game because he came in known as a bruiser. I mean, I don't think he shot a single jump shot at Kentucky. They all, let him. Yeah, it all was right. all in, in the post and bully ball, but he's actually been able to show a lot of stuff that you guys have been working on for years in, in the NBA, especially in New Orleans. I feel like that's when he really got a chance to to show who he is as a player. Because I feel like in LA, he was kind of like in a box. And so, even like for you, my question for you is, you're known all over like social media for your ball handling. Do you think mm-hmm. that you've been in a box as a a ball handling guru instead of a skills trainer
0: oh yeah for sure and I I think that's what social media does mm-hmm. uh you know and and I worked on ball handling growing up so I can do a lot of stuff with the basketball that maybe Not people can't do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing you, know, you can't do with the rock <laughs> right you know and and for me it was one of those things where I knew if I wanted to play at the level I wanted to play at there. I better be able to do anything with a basketball at any point in time. I better have a quicker release off the bounce. I better be able to get the spots. I can't be pressured. So I, you know, I, I handled it and I can do certain things that I love doing, mm-hmm. you know, but like you watch the workout with Julius, like we, you know, we don't sit there and do two ball and, and all that stuff. We work spots, we work shots, we work, Uh, different shooting you know situations so yeah I I think I've been boxed in as a ball handling guy you know and it's funny my dad always jokes that I was recruited as a shooter um, because I think I'm a better shooter than I am a ball handler you know but you know I was recruited as a shooter Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm trying to do more of that I think with my pro guys and and my elite guys for sure Um, you know it's just I'm a big rep guy Like, I think reps are huge. So when I have a lot of kids in the gym, I'm not standing them in one line and having them catch and shoot. Because I think that they can do that somewhere else by themselves if they want to be good. With me, I'm going to teach them angles and how to create space and how to get to your spots. And and they're going to get up, you know, 200 shots and, you know, in 300, 400 dribbles within an hour where if I was just throwing them the ball, I think they get, you know, you get what, 50 shots in an hour. And, and so that's kind of the way I look at things and um, yeah, but I I agree. I agree with you for sure.
1: All right. Uh, Another question is, let's say you have a prospect that is a three and D wing and that's kind of the box that the league has put him in. And he comes Mm -hmm. to you and says that he wants to maximize his potential by learning how to, put the ball on the floor, and be able to create and attack closeouts. What, what is your game plan to help him achieve that level, to, ma- to help him maximize his potential? And then also, do you think that offensive creativity can be taught? I think offensive creativity
0: can be taught. Um, you know, I, I, I think with guys that ha- maybe haven't been taught it, you got to be really specific in, in, in the creativity that you give them. Um, like, I'm a big guy on, you know, I mean, you know, if we're talking off the bounce, you know, have a couple, you know, moves and then, you know, four or five counters. Um, you know, can you make every single shot off that counter? That's when you become tough to guard. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, you look at, like, Kobe Bryant. I mean, like, when you took his first option away, his second, his third, his fourth, like, he still could get what he wanted, Um, and, you know, so I think you can can teach offensive creativity, it's tough when you get guys in the NBA that come to you and want to be something that the team doesn't see them as, right, Mm -hmm. because, one, I'm all about guys opening their games up, you know, like, I think the creativity part of basketball is the best part is, as you know, I I love it. Even though I may stand in the corner and shoot threes in my career, I still would work on my ball handling. Um, you know, but I I think a lot of teams, you know, if they're like, if you're a corner three, you know, I'm a three and D guy and they see this guy on social media doing all these ball handling stuff. They're going to be like, well, I don't want him working over there anymore. Um, you know, because then that role's taken, or may he may try to do something that the team doesn't want him to do as far as his role goes. Um, you know, but you know, I think CJ's a perfect example. Like we did, we did ball hand, we did certain separation things, and then you know the last thirty minutes we did all shooting, like pin downs, corner threes, shakes, um, trails, you know, quick pins in transition uh down screens every shot that he would get we, we would work on and uh you know so i think you've got to let the player as a trainer be creative but also understand why he's making the money he's making
1: yeah and i think it's it's a tough between the player the trainer and the team because if everybody's on the same accord then it works out but if the trainer well if the player wants to work on something that he's really not going to do in the NBA. The trainer usually has a hard time telling an NBA guy like, "No." Like I always laugh when I would see like Andre Drummond shooting a bunch of threes during the summer. Right. Even he made he made some, and he's improved tremendously as a free throw shooter. I mean, he was in the high twenties, and then I, I want to say he shot in the sixties the last couple years. Right. And so, but I saw a play. I was watching film last week, and I saw him shoot a three in transition as the trailer and i know like some teams would be probably just like look we don't we do not we do not want to see you shoot that shot ever again but as a trainer mm-hmm. if a guy says hey this is what i want to work on to extend my career more than likely the trainer's going to you know work on that player with that particular thing right it, it, you know
0: and that's that's you know and, and that's the thing i think is you got to let players get out of their comfort zones um, you know, but I think I think it's the player's job to realize who they are and who they are um, so look, man, if you wanna shoot threes, cool well, we'll shoot threes, but we're also gonna work on what you should be doing, and you know if you don't like it, fine, but you know this is where your money comes from is you know rebounding running the floor, putbacks, you know whatever it may be, but you know, um. Yeah, Andre, but Andre's gotten, I think Andre's gotten better. But I think, like, you, we talk about the free throw. I think shooting threes and doing that stuff, like, that helps your free throw percentage. Like, there's certain things that help your free throw percentage, um, you know, that people may think, like, well, why is he doing that? Like, you know, I remember in college when I worked on my ball handling, that's when I shot the best the ball felt clean it was my hand eye core, like I just felt great um you know so I feel like ball handling and shooting goes hand in hand like you look at Steph Curry and all the stuff that he does Mm -hmm. um you know there's there's a study that was done that like the correlation between being able to dribble and catch a tennis ball goes into shooting and it's it's shown through what Steph does um you know so everybody learns different um but yeah I, I think players got to understand how they make their money
1: yep so in conclusion um what do you think the as far as like your job what is the most difficult part about it when it comes to the pre-draft and working with the player and the agent
0: i don't even know if all the time it's the player and the agent it's the people around the player um the people that have never been through the process Mm -hmm. you know you 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 have these guys that think they know it all and they've never been through it and you know they want to take control of a situation that they have no absolutely no clue about um you know and, and that's the toughest thing i think for you know for me it's it it's like i hate when people bring entourages in the gym. Like, I can't stand it. Like, look, we're here to work. If they're not helping you work out, why are they here? You know, let, like, let's lock in, let's concentrate and, and you know, and Julius is just a perfect example. Like, you were there, he showed up by himself and he worked. Yep. You know, and... and um. You know, unless you need a ride or something, like nobody else should be there. Um, I
1: think that's true. I always laugh when I see a guy coming to the gym with an entourage, and his boys are there, and I end up having to be the one to rebound. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Like, I've seen and,
0: it all. it's just, it's 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 insane to me. Um, you know, and I and and I know they want to be there to support. Um, but a lot of the times it becomes a distraction and, um, so I would say the biggest challenge is the people around the kids, whether it's homeboys, friends, um, you know, brothers, sisters, that's the hardest thing I'd say is, um, is the entourages around these kids that, that, you know, I think they all need great supporting casts. Mm-hmm. But as far as getting in the gym and doing your work, we need to get to work. We need to work on what, what's going to make you better, and you need to lock in and concentrate. Um, and that's that's the way I think it should be done.
1: There's times I've just been in the gym, just there, and the trainer is putting the person through drills, and I'm like, let me get out here and rebound, or let me pass, or something like that. Because I mean, these kids have been coddled; they're they're basically famous before they even collect the NBA check. And they have a lot of people around them, but very few of them have players or very few of the players have people around them that are willing to put in the work to help that player get better. Right. Which is, right. you know, it, it's only going to get worse once the money comes and, and the player moves on to the NBA and, and all that. So it's, I imagine that part of it is tough.
0: Yeah. It's not fun. It's, it's, uh, you know, it becomes a stressor at times, um, you know, and I've had to remove myself from a few situations. Um, you know, I, I don't deal well being in stressful situations, um, you know, and, and the hardest part is when you really love a kid, but it's all the shit around them that, that makes it struggle. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, I'm never not like the kid I train. I've always loved the kid, but sometimes the situation just becomes too much.
1: Man, I really, really appreciate you coming on on my podcast. For those that don't know who you are and want to follow you, where can they find you at on social media?
0: Uh, Just Tyler TylerRough10, Instagram and Twitter. Um, You know, and you'll be able to see me there and 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 uh, yeah, and follow us there.
1: All right, man. Once again, thanks a lot for for being a guest, and hope to have you on at another time.
0: Whatever, bro. Appreciate you, my dog.
1: All right, it's Rafael with NBA Draft Junkies with Tyler Relfs signing out. Yeah. yeah.